welcome to the Nutrition Science Podcast, where we help you cut through the noise and make informed, science-based decisions about nutrition and your health. How's it going, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Nutrition Science Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Adrian Chavez, and in this episode, we are going to be discussing how to become an alternative health guru and why these individuals can be so dangerous, why the tactics that they use in order to get famous and develop notoriety can be so dangerous. And the reason that I want to discuss this particular topic today, because this isn't something that I had programmed as a topic that I plan to discuss, is because an article has been circulating recently that was published in Vanity Fair magazine. It outlines the story of a woman named Stephanie Tassone who was very into the alternative health space. She particularly had a close relationship with an individual who calls himself the medical medium. His name is Anthony William. And her family broke this story or helped to contribute information to this story because they believe that the medical medium played a role in Stephanie not getting the proper medical care that she should have gotten. And she ended up dying from breast cancer after not getting the proper diagnosis and treatment until it was too late. If you're not familiar with the medical medium, this is an individual, as I mentioned, his name is Anthony William, and he claims to have been born with a unique ability to converse with the spirit of compassion, is what he calls this spirit that he claims to speak to. And he says that this provides him with extraordinarily advanced healing information that's far ahead of his time. And this is straight from his website. So he claims to be able to speak to a spirit that gives him special information. And this special information uh, he puts out into books and various types of content and uses this to convince people who have chronic illnesses, various chronic diseases, to follow his protocols. So I don't want to really get into too much detail about the story. I don't know the details of the story. I wasn't there. You can go read it. I will link it in the show notes. But what I do want to do, and this is why I have titled the podcast the way that I did, is I want to discuss how this happens. Because you might hear that story and think, how do people believe this? Like if, if someone told you, hey, I have you know, I have spirits that are telling me that you have this health condition and this is how you treat it. If I came up and told you this, you most people are not going to believe me. Most people are going to think I'm a little off. But this individual, Anthony William, has published eight New York Times bestselling books. He has developed a large platform, has been featured on uh, various shows and worked with celebrities. He was on Keeping Up with the Kardashians and he's become very popular through this story and through the things that he promotes. And what I'm going to discuss today is the foundation of a lot of marketing in the nutrition and health space. And this is why I want to discuss it, because if you understand the tactics and strategies that people are using in order to get you to believe things, you can be better equipped at avoiding misleading information and avoiding these tactics that can be very persuasive. And they're used very commonly in, in the the trajectory, the path, the blueprint, the strategies are very similar in many cases. And these are the things that are taught. For example, when I was first getting onto social media, you know, I was trying to figure out, you know, how do I, how to communicate better with audiences, how to 
get clients and things like that. This was years and years ago. And I signed up for different marketing programs. And many of the tactics that we're going to talk about in this episode are, they're taught. They're taught by marketing programs in order to help people take advantage of vulnerable people, essentially. And you'll see why, why that is the case in a second. But my hope in this episode is that, you know, by understanding how this all works, it just puts you in a better position to say, okay, you know, although this sounds very believable, I could see how someone could create this perception, even if it's not entirely true. So let's start off with how this works. So the first thing that you do and the first step to becoming a nutrition or alternative health guru is to find individuals who are vulnerable and desperately searching for a solution to a problem. And this you know, can mean various things. It can be individuals with chronic disease, individuals who are overweight and have been struggling with weight loss for their entire lives, individuals with hormone issues, autoimmune conditions, digestive issues, someone who's dealing with something, something that is frustrating them, that they are struggling with, that they are looking for an answer to. And so you, you identify that population. It could be large groups of people, could be very specific groups of people. Sometimes it may be a bunch of different groups of people, but you're looking for those people who are, who are searching for an answer and, and they're willing to try different things because they really want to end the struggle of trying to figure out how to eat or how to quote unquote heal themselves. And so the next thing you have to do is come up with a plan that is going to be the answer to those problems and then come up with a good story for why this is the answer. And when you talk about the plan, when you're discussing the story, the key is to speak with full confidence and make it very clear to the person on the other side that what you're discussing is the solution. It is, it is different than everything else, and it's, it is the answer. And so you come up with a solution, and then you come up with a really good story, and then you just keep repeating it over and over and over again to as many people as you possibly can. And so, for example, with respect to a ketogenic diet, so someone who's promoting a ketogenic diet is often, and now they've moved on to other conditions as well, but at first it was usually centered around weight loss. So these individuals, you know, there's a lot, millions of people struggling with weight loss, you know, with weight cycling, with having struggles losing weight. And what you do is the solution is cut out all carbs. So the solution is a keto diet. So if my goal is to sell you the solution of a keto diet, I'm going to say, hey, you know, if you've been struggling with weight loss, keto is the answer. And here's why. Because, and this is the same justification that a lot of these individuals use, they'll say, because when we eat carbs, that causes insulin to increase. And insulin is our body's fat storage hormone. And insulin, if we lower it by reducing carbs, we can reduce our body weight. And this explanation makes sense. There's slight bit of truth to it. And this, if you're someone on the other side of things who's been struggling you're desperate, you're looking for an answer, and someone makes a good explanation, they're extremely confident, they tell you this is the answer, they're, they make a, you know, they put together a good story around it, you're going to be willing to try it in many cases. Many people are going to be willing to try this. 
So if you do this and you repeat it over and over again to as many audiences as you can get access to, a lot of people are going to try it. And what's going to happen is if what you are promoting is some version of a restricted diet and you're forcing people to cut out, let's say, cut out carbohydrates or cut out processed foods or cut out gluten, soy, dairy, corn, wheat, like some people do, where they just have long lists of foods that people are cutting out. What's going to happen is just by nature of the fact that you're prescribing a restrictive diet, many individuals are number one, they're going to lose weight as a result of eating less energy. If I told you, hey, you can't eat processed food, you can't eat gluten, dairy, soy, corn, and gave you a whole list of things that you can't eat, you are going to have a harder time consuming excess calories. You're more than likely going to be in a calorie deficit and you're going to lose weight as a result of that. If you want more information about that context, about energy balance and how weight loss works, check out my deconstructing energy balance episode. I will link that in the show notes as well. But that's that's the first thing that's going to happen. The second thing is in many cases, you're probably going to improve the quality of your diet just by nature of the fact that you can't eat certain things that were probably not very nutritious before. If you have to go on a keto diet, chips get cut out, cookies, cake, crackers, all of these highly processed foods, will ha you have to avoid them now because they have carbohydrates. And so that limits your food choices and that oftentimes limits your food choices to things that are likely to be more nutritious. Now, in the case of a keto diet, let's say, for example, someone goes on a keto diet, they cut out all carbs, but then they start eating a whole bunch of butter. And then they, um, you know, that's, that's their diet is just meat and butter and they're eating tons of butter. That person's probably not going to lose weight. And that person is also probably not going to improve the nutritional quality of their diet. And in many cases, what you'll see is, you know, the, these people exist where they, they follow these programs and they see no benefit or the health worsens or the outcome that they were looking for worsens. And we'll talk about, you know, that in a second. But what, what happens is you improve the quality of your diet, you reduce calories. These are the two main things that lead to improvements in health as a result of nutritional changes. These are the two things like eat less or, or eat the appropriate amount of energy and then improving the quality of your nutrition in terms of micronutrients, and nutrient dense foods. And this is what we really need to focus on. And, and you can cause people to do that just by nature of creating a whole bunch of restrictions. And this is how most of these, like almost, you'll see almost all of these individuals who, who almost everyone popular in the nutrition space, it's, a, it's centered around restricting certain things. You know, there's the guy that says lectins are bad for you. And then we got the, the guy who says all plants are bad for you and he promotes a carnivore diet. And now he stopped doing that because he developed health issues. Then we have the guy who says, um, you know, spirits told him that you can't eat gluten, soy, dairy, and you have to be drinking celery juice every day. And all of these things contribute to improved nutritional quality. And so if you can do that, if you can develop a platform and then if you create some method with a good explanation that leads to people following a more restrictive diet, what's going to happen is a percentage of people who you reach, who you can convince to do what you're recommending, they're going to actually do it and they're going to improve. So for example, in the case of the medical medium, he recommends following a, I believe it's a vegan diet and cutting out, as I mentioned, gluten, soy, dairy corn, a few other foods as well, many of these foods are also likely to be food allergies or food sensitivities. And this is a very smart thing to do. So oftentimes these people have some understanding of nutrition. So if I tell you to cut out gluten, dairy, soy, and, and other foods that are likely to be food allergens or food sensitivities, 
It could be the fact that you just had a food sensitivity to gluten or and dairy that went unidentified, which happens in a small percentage of people. However, individuals with chronic health issues, that percentage is larger. Then you take those two foods out and you would have been much better. But, you know, these generic protocols where they cause you to restrict lots of different things just increases the likelihood of people feeling better in the short term. So let's say, for example, I am recommending this. I'm going around. I have my new method, my new protocol. You know, let's, let's make something up. I have the, the Chavez method. And this method is you only eat foods that start with every third letter of the alphabet. And you only eat on every, you know, you, you only eat between the hours of 11 and 6 p.m. And, you know, if we create these restrictions that in this case, you know, they're, they're, they're just random restrictions. People who follow these, if I started recommending that to, you know, large groups of people, and if I did it with like extreme confidence, I was saying, look, you know, every third letter of the alphabet, those, those represent the healthiest foods on the planet, blah, blah, blah. It's made up some crazy story. If I was just super confident, I have some credentials behind me like I do, I could get people to do that. And with a platform that I have and the platform that some other people have as well and a platform that you can build, you can reach hundreds and hundreds and thousands and thousands and sometimes millions of people. And if if you reach a million people and or let's say you reach a thousand people and you convince a thousand people, say you reach a million people and only only 0.1% believes you. And so you reached a million people. 0.1% believed you, that's a thousand people. So you got a thousand people to do what you were recommending. And let's say it was a highly restrictive diet. So, you know, let's say 40% of people felt a little bit better. You know, they, they lost a little bit of weight. They just felt better. Nutritional quality improved. And then another 40%, you know, they didn't really feel a, a big difference or anything like that. But then you have the 10% who, for whatever reason, and especially if you're, you're causing people to remove, you go on really restrictive diets where it removes lots of different potential food sensitivities. This is the exact same thing with carnivore diet. You know, if you're, you're doing carnivore diet, you're avoiding most foods that are likely to contribute to a sensitivity reaction. And this is one of the reasons that people tend, a percentage of people tend to feel significantly better when they start it. And it, but the important piece is it's a percentage. It's not everyone, but you don't need everyone to feel better in order to create these narratives. Because what you do is, you recommend this to as many people as you can. A bunch of people are going to try it. Percentage of people feel significantly better. Let's say 10%. So you, you recommend these really restrictive protocols. 10% of people feel substantially better. 40%, not really. 40% feel a little bit better. And then 10% feel substantially worse. And just like their health deteriorates. Well, what you do is if you're that person who's promoting this diet, you take those 10% and you blast that everywhere. The 40% are going to believe you know, the 40% said they feel a little bit better are probably going to believe that they feel better than they actually do if they see all these testimonials. This is called a placebo effect where they see people say, oh, this completely transformed my health. And then you have the other 40% who didn't feel any better who may be like, oh, well, maybe I need to do it correctly. Maybe I didn't do it right. Maybe I didn't do it long enough. They'll start questioning themselves because they see, oh, wow, this person, it, it worked for this person. You know, this, this, this guru knows what they're talking about. If they didn't, these 10% of people, and these people don't know it's 10%, you just, it's all you see. The guru is not going to share the, the testimonials of people who say, ah, it was okay. Ah, I felt a little bit better. That's not, that's not compelling. What's compelling is, oh, this changed my life. And so the, you share that. You share the, the information about people saying, oh, it changed my life. It, it healed, whatever. And, and then you just completely ignore the other 10%. So the 10% that got worse, 
you you can it's easy to silence them. Like if if I was recommending this stuff and I was creating reels saying, hey, you know, the Chavez method is going to heal you. And, you know, the 10% who, who tried it and said that they felt better, I just repost, share that everywhere, talk about that everywhere. These are my testimonials. And then the 10% who, who may actually speak out, which most of them won't, but 10% of people who did worse, because oftentimes you say, oh, we didn't do it right, or you didn't do it long enough, or, you know, you didn't use the right type of, right type of foods, or you, you were too stressed, and it's your fault. You can blame it on those people. It's really easy to do that and kind of turn it around. And it's also easy to just, to just block and block their messages and, and create this narrative that this is a healing protocol. And you can create the perception to the outside world that what you have truly has some like magical healing benefits, even if it doesn't. And, and it largely relies on these highly restrictive diets. So if you see, if you look around, you know, and you look at like very popular people in the alternative health space, people who like brand themselves as like gurus who have special information, in almost every time, they're creating a highly restricted diet. Now, in some cases, they're not. Like, for example, the glucose guys. So she is telling people that they need to hyper-focus on regulating their glucose. And part of hyper-focusing on regulating your glucose and keeping your glucose levels as low as possible, which isn't really necessary for the average person who's not diabetic, part of doing that is going to cause you to eat more fiber going to cause you to eat more protein. It's going to cause you to eat more produce because all of those things help manage postprandial blood glucose levels. Postprandial means after a meal. So in this case, the story is, hey, if you keep your glucose as low as possible, there's going to be magical health benefits that come from that. And that's the story that you use to get you to implement the protocols of glucose reduction and the protocols of glucose reduction are you know, eat more fiber, eat more protein, have more balanced meals. And then there's a whole bunch of dumb things that don't really, that are completely pointless, like eating, you know, changing the order of your food, you know, doing apple cider vinegar shots before each meal. Like these can be beneficial from a, from a perspective of, of lowering glucose as much as possible. But at the end of the day, is this having a long-term health benefit. There's no evidence for these things actually having long-term health benefits. And this is another way where, you know, this person latched onto a story, latched onto this special, you know, approach to things. You don't have to worry about actually, you know, eating balanced meals and eating the right amount of calories and, and focusing on your nutritional quality. If all you do is focus on reducing glucose, you'll get some benefits. And so this is, you know, another story, another unique method. And this is sold with just generally, you know, a lot of it is sold with generally decent dietary habits, but the story and the methodology is, is misleading. And so this is, you know, how you do that. And you, you'll have people that try out your methods. You'll have a percentage of them that say change your life. And you blast that all over social media, all over any platform that you can. And you continue to create this perception that people are really benefiting from the methodology that you're promoting. The biggest problem with this is it's not correct. You're promoting misinformation and you're driving a narrative that is not scientifically accurate. Individuals do not need to hyper-manage their glucose. Individuals don't need to keep your glucose as low as possible. A carnivore diet is not going to heal you of, you know, all your health issues. Now, that you might get lucky and you might 
accidentally remove a couple of food sensitivities that were significantly impacting your health, but there's more scientifically based ways to go about it. The problem is that if I discuss the complexities of nutrition, I don't have a special method anymore. Discussing science, discussing how our bodies work, discussing the relationship between food and various health outcomes and disease, there's not a special method there. The special method is when you kind of move away from from this and say, okay, I have something that works for everybody, or I have something that's going to work for a large percentage of people who fit this criteria. And so you take people, for example, with chronic illness, and these individuals oftentimes are willing to try anything, that they're desperate. And if you can give them hope and say, you know, hey, I know you have an incurable chronic disease that is significantly impacting your life, and I have a solution for it. If you say that, you're going to get a lot of people to do it, if what you're recommending has some elements of what would be beneficial for these individuals, then some of these people are going to feel better. The problem is we leave these, the other 90% of people, the 10% who felt, and again, these are random numbers, the 10% of people who felt worse sometimes can have serious negative health consequences. This happens with the carnivore diet all the time. There's many, many cases of this with the medical medium as well, of people following these protocols and their health deteriorating. And there's a, there's a, a website called Carnivore Cringe on social media, on Instagram. I'll share that in the show notes as well. It outlines a lot of the negative health impacts that many people have when they go on this type of diet. And they're going on this type of diet because they've been convinced through these methods that I'm talking about by an individual who got really popular claiming that a carnivore diet was some type of healing diet. Same thing with other methodologies and protocols as well is there are long-term consequences, especially when diets are extremely restrictive, especially when diets, you know, have people eating peas, steamed peas for a meal, for example, which is, you know, some, some of the things that are being promoted in this medical medium cleanse as a mono cleanse that is heavily restrictive and just like you know some of the meals are just like steamed peas a banana and that's your whole meal and or bananas or it could be more than one I guess that's the whole meal and many of these diets are nutritionally inadequate for long-term maintenance like they're not going to be providing you the right nutrients to help you live a long and healthy life but they make you feel better in the short term. And that's all these gurus really need. And that's all they're really looking for is if you can make people feel better in the short term by recommending a highly restricted protocol, you're going to convince people that what you're talking about is magical. And this is how this tends to work. This is how a lot of these alternative health and diet gurus get so popular. And the problem is that they're, number one, they're misleading people. They're providing misleading information that can be harmful to many people's health. They're making claims about things that just aren't based in science. So if I tell someone that, you know, their chronic health issues are due to a virus and the way to heal this virus is to follow this extreme protocol and that person, you know, had another condition, for example. So if I said, hey, you know, you have this virus that is causing these health issues for you and you need to go on a juice cleanse and take all these supplements to heal. And the reality is that you have breast cancer and you actually need conventional therapy 
in order to increase your likelihood of living and surviving through it, it can do a lot of harm. And this is something that I see and I've seen in my experience in working with people. I've had clients who have been on highly restricted protocols, extensive supplement protocols, and the things that they believed were supposed to heal them were actually causing incredible damage to their health over time, but they were convinced, they believed, they saw the testimonials, and a perception was created that this person has all the answers. And when people do that, they put you in a position, if you do believe them, where there's a potential for great harm. And this is the part that bothers me the most. I see it all the time, and it's a result of the way that marketing works in this space. In the nutrition and health space, if you want to fast track your way to making a lot of money and developing notoriety, this is the strategy. You find vulnerable people, you recommend often really restrictive diets for them that have some type of scientific grounding, but you claim that whatever you're recommending is going to heal them. You get lots of people to try it. You take the positive testimonials, you share them everywhere. You ignore everyone else, you rinse and repeat, and you keep the cycle going. And you can create this perception that you are a guru who has specialized information, and it's just not the case. So I highly recommend to be very skeptical when you see someone making these claims. And if someone's making strong claims like this and claiming that they have some magical solution that that science hasn't caught up with and that, that is ahead of its time and that nutritionists and scientists elsewhere, you know, they just, they just don't know. They're not advanced as, as this particular person. This is likely what they're doing. And you want to be very careful about identifying individuals who claim to have special answers and are not actually giving you the full picture in terms of the reality when it comes to health. No one person has all the answers. There's a reason that I'm constantly referring people to other experts in various topics on my social media because health is complex. There isn't going to be a simple answer. And the best thing you can do is get the most accurate information you can from the best experts that you can and do your best to apply that information into your life. And I know that's a lot harder than following a special protocol that someone has that's going to heal everything, but it's the way to actually move towards health. It's the way to do so safely. It's the way to do so in a way that works for you because these extremely restrictive diets are not something that most people are able to follow or should be following long-term and the main reason that these are promoted so heavily in various circles is because of the short-term improvements that occur in a percentage of people that make it look like they have a magical protocol. But if you're not in the percentage, the small percentage of people who have a dramatic improvement, you're going to be in a large percentage of people who are putting yourself at risk for potential long-term health consequences and 
you're not actually getting anything out of it. And the information that you're learning is not accurate. You're being oftentimes manipulated in various ways by misleading information. Like, for example, Carnivore MD says that beans are bad for you because of lectins, because he's manipulating animal research and using that to shift your perception about a food that's perfectly healthy for most people. Now, some people may feel better without beans, but this food is perfectly healthy for most people. But they're using these very manipulative tactics to shift your perception and it can really be damaging to your mental health and your physical health. And I've seen, as I mentioned, I've seen it so many times. This is why I talk about it. I really want to help prevent you from falling down that rabbit hole. I've worked with, at this point, probably a dozen people who fell into the carnivore rabbit hole, who started to believe that plants were out to kill them, that lectins were harming them, that phytates were harming them, that, that carbohydrates were, were bad and, and glucose increases were going to harm them as well. And it's a psychological mind game. Like they have such a hard time eating foods because their thinking is being manipulated by these tactics. And hopefully it helps you understand how people can get famous and become New York Times bestselling authors and be truly lifted up by what otherwise looks like smart individuals as people who have specialized answers. And the reality is that they're employing these tactics in almost every case, and they're doing it at the expense of many, many people in order to grow their own platform and brand and method and make money off of it and sell books. And it's doing a lot of harm, a lot of harm. So that's all I have for this episode. Like I said, I didn't plan to record this episode, but I decided that this is something that really needs to be discussed. I've gotten a lot of questions over the last week or so since this story broke about how someone like this can become so popular. I've had those same discussions about Carnivore MD many, many times, and there's many others who are doing the same thing, who are just claiming that they have a specialized answer. And oftentimes they're misleading you for selfish reasons to sell books and supplements and make money and develop notoriety and fame and the consumers are the ones that suffer. So I hope this episode was helpful. I think it's just an important topic to discuss for those of you who may be wondering why some of these things can get so popular. And my recommendation is if you know someone who is falling down one of these rabbit holes of, you know, a popular alternative health or nutrition guru, share this episode with them, have a discussion with them, try to help them understand that, you know, it isn't always what it seems. The, these situations can be painted in a way that the outside perception is much different than the reality. So thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Nutrition Science Podcast. I hope you all have a great week and talk to you soon. <music>